Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 259, sweetie. Uh, What is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a podcast. And what do we promise? That you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Right, sweetie? I do. Um, this is, and don't forget our motto. Our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetie? A parent's self-understanding. I realized I used the S word probably four times in the first 60 seconds, but that's all right. What do you mean? Sweetie. Oh, yeah. Sorry sh- for those of you people who are annoyed at my sweetie comments. It's uh, But we talked about it last week. If you want to know how it came to be, listen to last week's podcast. But um, Schmoopy. Schmoopy. You're schmoopy. On this week's uh, podcast, we are going to talk about two main things. One is the Tara Moore thing. Um, one is a mindfulness uh, class that Tara Moore went through that I thought was, uh, she had some interesting insight that I thought I would share. And then I want to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. Our friend Charles, whom we love so much, sent me a few Freakonomics podcasts to listen to. Okay. Listen to both of them. And it talks about cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, so you got this from an article. I just thought you wanted to talk about... I got this from a podcast that talks about cognitive behavioral therapy. Ah, interesting. Okay, good. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we have some announcements. Oh, yes. We have big announcements. Huge announcements. So there's been all these things that Todd and I have been working on for like the last... Behind the scenes stuff. (laughs) Like what? Five months. I don't know. Um, But a lot now they're like coming to be real, meaning we can start talking about them and letting you know what's going on. So the first thing is, you guys all know we're doing a conference, right? March 11th and 12th, we've got our- 2016. 2016. uh, Zen Parenting Radio Conference with people we love. And the theme of this conference is let's get real. I'm just trying to keep it real, sweetie. We're getting real. Well, and you know, here's why. Obviously, we have a wonderful uh, Synergy Creative working with us to What's help Synergy us. Creative? Well, they are our marketing people. They're and a company. They're helping us with all this language. But the reason that I think Let's Get Real really pulls together what we're doing in this conference is that's really all we're trying to do on this podcast is we're not trying to give you a bunch of foo-foo stuff that you can go around and t- tell everybody how you're just smarter than everybody else. That's not what it is. It's about getting to know yourself, being real with who you are, so then you can be real with other people so you can teach your children that they can be themselves and be real in themselves. And so that we continue this cycle. So the whole thing is about getting real. And the people that we have at this conference all have a different way of teaching realness. I actually redid my blog and my blog now is called Practicing Realness. It's all about how to take these things we talk about and put it into real world and be as real as we can be. So again, this conference website is up. And it's live. It's live. And so you can go to zengetsreal.com. Zengetsreal.com. Or you can go to zenparentingradio.com and click on, you know, it's all over the place right. on our website. So you can click there. But you can now, if you haven't gotten tickets, you can get tickets. If you are interested in sponsorship, which I hope you are because the opportunities are awesome. Yeah. Um, and the people who are sponsoring already are awesome. Um, you want to jump on that. And all, that's all on the website. So you can find everything. Everything there. So zengetsreal.com. Todd and I are going to be talking about this conference from here on out. Um, and we really want you there because I think we're going to sell this conference out. We have space for about 375 people, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. It isn't because we already have 80 people coming from Kickstarter mm-hmm. and we haven't really even started. And I'm not, and I know that sounds really salesy, like, ooh, we're going to sell it out, but we kind of were hoping for a bigger 
space. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, okay, 375, we're going to do it. Um, so we're going to make it happen and it's going to be great. So it's all about uh, putting all of the people that are interested in practicing realness in the same place for about a day and a half. That's right. In Chicago. And we actually have two new speakers that we haven't told you about. Actually, three, because we haven't talked about Mary-Kate and Carrie mm-hmm. either. Um, we have um, Carrie Lynch and Mary-Kate Lynch who are going to come speak, and they talk about um, – it's kind of a long story, but Mary-Kate was born with something called Apert syndrome, which is very similar to what the boy Augie in Wonder was diagnosed with, um, where it's a, it, it's, it has to do with facial growth and finger growth, and the difference is in her appearance. And what Carrie and Mary-Kate talk about is how, as parents, we can talk to our kids about these differences and how, you know, some of the stories that Carrie has shared about how, you know, maybe she's in the grocery store with Mary-Kate and a parent comes down that aisle in the grocery store and they like turn around and go a different direction. And what kind of message is that giving our children? So it's about choosing kindness. Their tagline is choose kindness. So Mary Kate and, uh, uh, Carrie Lynch are going to be there. Also, we have Jen Weigel. You Chicagoans know who Jen Weigel is. Um, she's been around, uh, you know, she's been on the uh, Chicago Tribune. She's been in WGN. Um, What's her name of her book? Her, she has three. Oh. Um, she, I'm Spiritual Damn It was probably her most uh, popular, the one that I really loved. And then she has a new one that just came out, I think last year, um, called This Is Not the Life I Ordered. And then she had another one called Stay Tuned, which was about um, her kind of venture into spirituality. But she's going to talk about how to stay um, optimistic and non-cynical in sometimes a difficult world. Awesome. Um, so she's going to talk about that. And then we have Dr. Therese Rowley, who works with gifted children. And when I say gifted, I don't necessarily mean educationally. I mean spiritually gifted mm. children. And she is. Um, she also works with Fortune 500 companies. She's a medical, in- or excuse me, she is an intuitive. If any of you um, know anything about Carolyn Mace, um, Therese Raleigh is very similar with her, um, what she does and what she does for a living and what she experiences. And she also has a book. Sure. Um, so these are two of our... Those, that's just two. Those are the two we just added. Right. Throw on top the fact that uh, we have Dr. Shefali Sabari, John O'Sullivan, and Dr. John Duffy. And then Todd and I are speaking. Yep. And we are doing a thing on Friday night for people who are coming in Friday night. Anyway, the conference is awesome, but I just want to make sure you guys so, know who's going to be yeah, there. Yeah, we're just giving you the highlights. Go to zengetsreal.com and go ahead and register. Register is open right now. It is. And if you have a business and you want to partner up, we already have, I think, eight different sponsors. And I think we only have room for about 15 total in the right. room itself. So get in early so you reserve your spot. So, And then two more things we have, and I'm going to be a lot more brief because I know we want to jump in here, is we have created a, something called the Let's Get Real series for our community. What that is, is a talking series, a discussion series where we are going to be, um, should I say the location or should I wait till next week? Uh, jump in, tell them. All right. Well, we are planning on being at... Um, Fitz's, Fitz's Lanes, Lanes in Elmhurst. In Elmhurst. And our first Let's Get Real series is October 13th. It's a Tuesday. And, and it's called um, What is Balance Anyway? And we're going to be talking about balance. Now, here's what's interesting. The first session, this talk about balance, um, it's going to be me, um, Rita Highland, who is a master life coach, 
and Lorna Samadis, who is um, the owner of The Daily Method, and she is a yoga teacher and obviously a master teacher in The Daily Method and just a very spiritually enlightened person. Um, And so the three of us are going to be doing a discussion about balance. It's for men and women, but obviously because we are three women teaching, I'm sure we'll get more women than men. Dudes, come on out. Come on, dudes. I'll be there. But then No, no, for a little bit, but then you have Zen Finance that night. Got it. That's right. But then the next month in November, it's Todd and I talking about how to talk to your kids about sex. That's right. So this series is- Tear down the walls. Every month on a Tuesday, we're going to do this discussion series in Elmhurst. So that information will be on the website soon. Yes. And then the third thing, we have a movie coming to town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Todd and I do a community screening uh, at least once or twice a year. And this documentary is called The Hunting Ground. It's about uh, sexual assault on college campuses. I know that sounds really heavy, you guys, but really it's about making women and men, this is not just for women, more aware of what's happening on a daily basis on college campuses, not to instill fear, but so we can have this conversation and start talking about what we deem as normal. Well, and I'll go beyond. It's not about college campuses. Maybe this documentary is, but this is about conveying a message about sexual assault for, excuse me, for anywhere from high schoolers all the way up to grown adult men. Yeah. That's what this is all about. And having an understanding of what consent is, having an understanding of what sexual assault is, because what our society does not do a good job with is giving a correct message to men or women. It's very muddy. And so this movie is bringing that up. And that is Wednesday, November 18th. That will, the tickets will be available for that soon as well. Yeah. Okay. So we're looking forward to it. That's a lot of business. We're done. Yes. Um, so let's first talk about, you want to do your thing first or you want me to go first? No, you go first, hon. So uh, my buddy Charles, who's a listener, I've never met him, but we have email exchanges quite a bit. He uh, uh, pointed me to a podcast called Freakonomics, which I actually used to subscribe to a long time ago. And for some reason, I I lost it. So, um, But it was really good. And the name of the podcast that he had me listen to is called Preventing Crime for pennies on the dollar, a new Freakonomics radio episode. So, what does that mean? Preventing um, crime. Well, what they did was they looked at inner city Chicago kids. Okay. And who are more likely to drop out of school, to be in jail, and do all. So, they had these different test groups. They okay. had uh, some, so they divided the kids up and listened to the podcast if this interests you. But basically, they divided the kids up, some of which who got no help at all. And that are the I, I don't know what they're called in in science you know science the scientific method they're the they're the tests they're the they're control they're study. the control mm-hmm. study thank you and then they did CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy and they had all these different ways of going about it with these kids and they um, compared these two groups after they spent a year doing this therapy mm-hmm. and they figured out that it was m- highly effective. It actually it doesn't last forever because they only did it for one year and then they had to stop. But what the point is, is it's so much cheaper to do this per pupil or per person than alternate ways of trying to going about of preventing crime. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Right. So, and I asked Kathy about this of what cognitive behavioral therapy was because I'm not a social worker. I don't have my master's in clinical social work like you do. And basically what you said is kind of like what we teach. Yeah, it is. Which I didn't even know. I figured what we teach is something that is unnamed. But really uh, the basis of when we talk about how to discipline, quote unquote, discipline your kids, 
what we're doing is cognitive behavioral therapy. So can you well, explain yeah. what that is? Let me say this for all the therapists out there and for anybody that's listening that's getting scared. I'm not saying that just your everyday person goes out there and does cognitive behavioral therapy because I have to be able to say that this is people get trained in doing this. Right. And so you obviously have to be licensed, you know, a clinician of some sort to go out there and say, I'm doing cognitive behavioral therapy. But to Todd's point, the essence of cognitive behavioral therapy is about teaching people to think differently about what they do and who they are. And that helping them with their thinking changes their behavior. So well, how is that different from behavioral therapy? Well, behavioral therapy is when you're just focusing on altering the behavior in the moment rather than focusing on how they think about it. For example, a reward chart. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm going to give you a sticker if you sit on the potty, mm -hmm. okay, you get a sticker. That's behavioral therapy. That is, if you do this, you get this. You're just modifying the behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and so the examples that I gave you, well, I don't need to get into my, my work history. All I'm saying is that the it's a it's like a reward or taking something away. Mm -hmm. You're altering their behavior, but you haven't talked to them about why and how they can be more involved in the process. So let's take another example. Like some parents uh, give money for good grades. Mm -hmm. That would be considered behavioral therapy, right? Um, well, instead of calling it behavioral therapy, because therapy is its own thing, we would call it behavioral feedback, modification. Behavioral mm -hmm. modification. So if you are instead of that, but practicing cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. or modification, mm -hmm. how would that look? You're connecting to the thinking to the behavior. Okay. And so it's not just about, I'm going to modify behavior or either change it or uh, inspire something right. in the behavior. I'm going to actually talk you through your thinking about your behavior so I can give you the tools to change your behavior on your own rather than me making you do it. Now, a lot of, I have to say this sure. though, a lot of places do a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. Like when I uh, worked at uh, Children's Memorial, there was cognitive behavioral therapy that we were doing with behavioral modification. So it's not as if behavioral modification sucks. I just think it needs to have both together. Well, and uh, without getting into all the details, there was actually a second podcast that was a follow-up and uh, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but they actually used both for these men who were in this African country. They did CBT and then they also paid them money uh -huh. for doing certain things mm -hmm. like staying out of jail or they gave them money... Um, they inspired them with money. Yeah, they inspired, mm -hmm. yeah. And the three different groups was the control group, the one who did, a, they gave them just money, they gave them CBT, and then they gave them both. Okay, so there's so four groups. Four groups. There was the cognitive. Be there was the control group. Nothing. Cognitive behavioral therapy. One. Behavioral modification. That's the third. Um, and then both together. Right. Okay. And and the both together was actually the most most effective. effective. Mm -hmm. uh, because what happened is that these men took this money and they actually invested it and started a business and all that mm -hmm. other stuff. But yeah, I, this is not to demonize one versus another. No. It's to try to get as many different resources available to us. The reason I want to bring it up on the podcast was I didn't even know, like a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of conversations with friends and customers and when they hear that I don't spank my kids or I don't yell at my kids or I don't give them good money for good grades, they're like, well, what do you do? And all I ever say is I talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I should say I, you actually do more of the talking. Our daughters are much more likely to share certain things with you because you're the one that's around more often. But I didn't even know that that's what I was doing. Well, and you have to broaden it a little bit because you 
what we do is, and again, that's where people misunderstand because they think, okay, I just talk at my child and then they're going to change their behavior. No. What I talk to the girls about is tell me how you got here, what you were thinking and what caused you to make this choice. That's cognitive behavioral thing, you know, and again, I'm not treating my children. Right. I'm not using it as a treatment method. I'm here. Let's back this up instead of talk about that. What beep, we're doing? Beep, <laughs> beep, beep. We're not doing cognitive behavioral therapy with people. What we're doing is we're taking the essence of what cognitive behavioral therapy is and using it in a different way. Meaning, let's talk about Sean Acor's book, The Happiness Advantage. What is the happiness advantage? It's seven ideas that can help you increase your happiness, but you have to take part in it. You have to, you can't, no one's just going to talk at you right. and tell you to be happy. You have to actually be active in the process. You actually have to be cognizant of your own thinking. That's what, when, when people say, well, what do you do? I talk to the girls about their own thinking. Mm -hmm. How did you get here? What were you feeling when this happened? Can we get below this, this feeling that you're having and get to what you're really angry about? You know, like, like if you dive in that way, you don't need a lot of that, uh, I don't want to call it surfacy, but a lot of the things that we say, like, go sit in the corner and just feel bad about this, it may stop the behavior in the moment, but you haven't shifted any thinking. Well, and this goes back to Alfie Cohn. We interviewed him a long time ago. And really, I'll, you know, one of the many things I want uh, for my children is for them to be intrinsically motivated. And it seems like a lot of the you know, spanking or paying money for grades or whatever example you want to put in there is extrinsically motivated. Correct. It's kind of like a shortcut to modify their behavior this instant, but it doesn't last. Or then you have to yell louder instead of, you know, yell at this level. And then all of a sudden the kid drowns you out. So then you have to yell even louder and louder. Instead, don't yell at all and, and, and dive in to a fruitful discussion between what's happening with this kid. Or you have to pay more and more and more because there gets to be right. a point where this isn't enough. Yeah. And and here's the thing. There are ways to do all of this. Like, not not the yelling part. I don't like that part. But like, you know, for example, uh, Todd and I right now, we have uh, a 12-year-old. She's going to be 13 soon. And there are times that we go out for a little bit and she stays with her sisters. And or yeah, she watches her sisters and Todd and I. We'll go, we'll go grab a, a bite to eat. Yeah, we'll be gone for like an hour downtown. We're not far, nothing like that. And she, you know, can access us really easily. But we've been debating between is that something we pay her for? Right. And so my point is, is and we haven't made a decision because she doesn't babysit enough for it to be an issue right now. It's very, you know, it's. Yeah, I just between. don't want to. I I'm a fearful of setting a precedent of paying her. So every time we go out for an hour, that we have to pay our own daughter to be at home <laughs> to watch TV or whatever it is. But the reason I bring that up is it doesn't always mean that if you if your children do chores and you pay them for it or if something, it, it's not that payment equals bad. It's you have to be thoughtful about what you're doing and why. Mm. Are you trying to pay your children off? to do something or are you, is there an agreement that you've come to? Well, I think a lot of parents would say, no, I'm not paying them off. I'm rewarding them for their right. hard work. Which is a, a form of behavioral modification for sure. Right. And again, you know, then do it. I mean, 
but you know, I, I know Todd, you like to say you, maybe you're a little more like, this is good. This is bad. Mm. A little more black and white, but I, I, I would just say, I would never pay my kid for grades. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. It goes, it's just gives me, it, a it doesn't feel feeling. right to you. Correct. And I'm sure that there are families out there who say, but I did that. That felt good to me. It worked for my child. Then great. Mm. You know, this is not a, you know, it, what we're trying to say is that what will motivate your child intrinsically is talking to them about why grades matter, how it feels for them when they get this grade or that grade, learning about what their best means. Because one child's best is an A+. Plus. Yep. Another child's best is a B-. Minus. Yeah, if you're rewarding them for the letter grade that they get, and one kid just happens to get books and tests a lot easier, but isn't working at all. As hard. Versus some other kid who's working their tail off right. and getting C's. You know, if you're just paying on that letter grade, something's getting missed. And so that's that. Now we're kind of getting into the essence of what we're talking about. Because sometimes when we talk about surfacey things, yeah, it, takes it a while. sounds like we're saying this is good, this is bad, and nothing is that black and white. Everything is gray. But you have to be understanding of that uh, that someone's best is very different. And everybody has different skill sets, and everybody has different things they excel at. So if in your home, the only thing you get you get any kind of reward for is this grade, then you have, then that may not work for every child. So it's expanding your awareness of um, each child's individual personality and what they excel at. Right. That's really the way I look at it. Right. And also because the way that we've set things up since we're talking about grades with the girls is it's theirs. I don't take ownership of their grades. Yeah. So when they get A's, I'm not like, wow, I really rocked that for them. And when they get an F, I'm not like, wow, I really failed them. That's theirs. Now, what I can do as their parent is support them, obviously, when they need help with studying or if they are experiencing something that's overwhelming, like they don't know how to get their grade up, I can offer them tips or tools or help or support, but it's not my life. And and I know that sounds really like... And, and, the, and the reason that I think a lot of parents struggle is that when they're in, when the kid, are, when the kid's in kindergarten, you have to be hands-on, like, you know, because our kindergartner got homework. Yeah. And we had to sit with her and do right. it all three so of them, right? So you, you set this early precedent, like, okay, I am the manager of her homework, or I am the manager of making sure that he or she does well in school. Right. But as they get older, we are stuck where we were when they were five right. and now they're 13 and you're still managing everything that they're doing. You're doing in their, their classroom projects, right. Or making sure that they do, right. or they, you ask them all these questions about, uh, what is your science, what's your science paper going to be about right. two weeks beforehand? I don't know. So what we do do though, do do, what we do do. You said do do. I know. What we do do though is we s create an environment in our home so they can succeed. For example, our expectation is when they get home, and when I say succeed, you guys know I don't mean like get the best grade. I mean so they can get things done according to their to their needs. When they get home – it's homework time. If you don't, you know, when sports are over, whatever you get home, homework first before technology or anything else. I'm usually sitting at the table with them when they're doing their homework. So I'm available, but it's not me doing their homework. I'm on my computer doing my work. Yeah. Well, and, and I think when I have, cause I've had this argument with many other dads and like, so you just let your kid do whatever they want. No, and we've all we've often referred to school as a game, yeah, which mm -hmm. we think it is. You got to play the game. You got to play the game, and no, there are certain things that there are certain boundaries we set or certain rules we set up. Like you get, 
when you get home from school, you do your homework because if you go out and play, it's gonna that you're asking for meltdowns later on in the mm-hmm. evening. So. And and helping them set up a, a system within themselves where they don't procrastination is not the thing they go to. Get this done. And this is very important to me. Get this done first, and then you're free. Yeah. That's the language I use all the time. And then the girls have definitely forgotten things or woken up the next morning and been like, "Oh no, I didn't do this." And I'm like, "Okay, this it, and not okay. I'll do it for you, but you got to deal with that today." Then they get their own natural consequence from that experience. That's what's great about school is you know the natural you know. We're lucky because we don't have any kids who are bringing home Fs, but they're certainly not getting all A's, and it's just uh, I don't know. It's well, there's there's a system st- set up at school already where they're yeah. feeling the pressure. Yeah. So I just don't add to that. Pressure. Exactly the peer pressure. You know, when these kids get into high school, all their friends are going to say, "What school you want to go to?" or "What did you get on your ACT?" or all that stuff. It's already out there for it's them. Go- it's inherent in right. the system. Right. They don't need it from the parents right. too. You know what I was just thinking about? You know how we always say school is a game. And we've had, uh, we actually did a talk last year where we had someone very upset with us for saying that. And, and this is what I would say to that. When you're, if you work in an office, doesn't the office have a game too? Isn't there a way you're supposed to do things? There is a certain protocol. There's a certain hierarchy. It depends on what your definition of game is. And that's the thing is I'm not being. Game doesn't mean that it's not important, but it's not everything that many parents think it is. If you is. learn how to play, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. If you get caught up in the absolutes or if you get caught up in the stress of having to be top level all the time, whatever that means, um, being competitive with other people, being the best, it's not fun. And even though I don't think the girls wake up every day and go, hey, school is fun, I don't think they carry a heaviness about it that maybe could occur if we put too much pressure on. So I just wanted to say that. Do you want to move on from this, Taddy? I, I actually do because we're 25 minutes in. So for those of you who are in to just end this uh, cognitive behavioral therapy discussion, for those of you who have gone through therapy or in therapy right now, um, this may be very familiar to you. Your therapist may be using this with you. And um, cognitive behavioral therapy, part of it is about thinking, but part of it is about putting things into action, like, you know, writing a gratitude journal at night, um, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone occasionally, you know, doing thing, doing one brave thing a day. Like cognitive behavioral therapy causes you to, in your own body, make the shifts instead of somebody else just talking to you and telling you what to do. Right. So, you know, I'm just, just throwing it out there as new language. Um, and that's it. And scene. Clear. Um, our first partner, sweetie, is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Their number is 630-941-8733. Their website is chirotree.com. You want to know some of the things that chiropractic is connected to, sweetie? Everything. ADHD, allergies, asthma, back pain, bedwetting, carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, colic, ear infections. Headaches. Just headaches. Just a small list. So Dr. Kelly, she's your doctor. Um, 630-941-8733, chirotree.com. All right. So um, as we said at the beginning of the show, I got an email from uh, Tara Moore, who has been on our show before. She wrote the book Playing Big, which was one of my favorite books of last year for sure. Um, and she actually took this online class with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, who teach um, – they're Buddhist teachers, and they teach mindfulness, and they – you know, that's, that's their thing. Um, and she – 
walked away from the online class with five takeaways that I thought were really interesting as far as for Todd and I to discuss. Um, the first one that she uh, that she liked was, okay, and here's a quote, we can train our hearts and minds to experience more well-being. And why I like that connected to the, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy or, you know what, it also is a theory, okay. cognitive behavioral theory or therapy, is that that's exactly what we can do. That's what that, that uh, in essence, that therapy and that theory is about, is we actually have the power to train our hearts and minds to experience more well-being. Great news. How do you do that? Well, a million different ways. That's the thing is there is no one path. I mean, that's what we talk about on the show all the time. So forget about all of them. What are some things that you do, my dear? Um, what do I do? I, to train your heart and your mind to experience experience more well-being. I experience quiet every day. I do that through meditation. I do yoga. Um, I spend time alone. I might not be meditating, but I like to be alone. Um, I listen to music. I don't watch negative news. If something that I'm listening to or watching starts to really bother me or hurt my body, I turn it off. Mm. Um, I try and spend time around people who inspire me. And if somebody's really draining me, then I really either don't spend time with that person or spend less time with that person. Sometimes they're people we love and, you know, you have to be thoughtful about that. Um, I remember one time I was, and I like Howard Stern, by the way, I think he's kind of funny and he gives good interviews, but he was doing one of his awful things mm -hmm. one time. And I was, I was riding, cause I don't get XM, but in the uh, car, in the rental car I was in, uh, it was playing and it was just one of those really negative, whatever things he does. Mm -hmm. And I started getting sick to my stomach. Yeah, your body and, knows. Yeah, and to your point, you stay away from the negative. Now, I, I listen to interviews. You know, I go to YouTube and click on his interviews because I'm interested in They're good. The interviews are pretty good. Right, but, you know, whether it's Howard or anybody else, anything negative – you know, thank goodness my body gave me a stomach ache because it was a reminder. Well, and not only is it a reminder, but I think something that we're given as children is that if we're feeling a certain way, we should just stick it out. Mm -hmm. And while there's... Grit. there's Got to teach grit, 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 sweetie. Grit. And while there is something to grit when you're in the middle of a cross-country meet, I mean, I get it. It's not that grit is all bad. Again, you got to always know that Todd and I try and stay in the gray here. It's not that grit is bad. But if he's listening to that Howard Stern interview and his stomach starts to hurt and he's, his mental talk has got... I'm such a baby. What's wrong with me? I'm going to stick this out. I should just listen to the. How is that helpful? Yeah. It, like we have to be conscious of when we use grit right. and not plow through all of our internal um, signals that this isn't good for us. You know, like the whole idea that we need. I was listening to, and I'm going to bring her up a few times here because I'm reading uh, Big Magic now, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, but I was listening to an interview that she did with Brene Brown on her podcast, and they were talking about the whole idea of creativity and that creativity is some kind of grit work, that you go lock yourself in a room and you just pound out 500 pages and, and it's painful and you come out sweating and it's so awful. Creativity should be lovely and enjoyable. And the whole that this this thing that we have in our heads that to really produce something it has to be hard yeah. isn't true. It can have hard elements in that we're being brave or courageous. It doesn't mean that everything is, you know, snap your fingers, but it can be joyful difficulty. Do you know what I mean? Well, and my metaphor is always, are you swimming upstream or downstream? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to swim upstream. There are times. But if you, if all you're doing or most of the time what you're doing is going against the grain and doing what doesn't feel right, or it seems like you're swimming upstream, you may want to look at 
what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's where you look at your thought processes. What messages are you giving yourself? Do you have a message that nothing is worthwhile unless it's difficult? Because that's not true. There are things that are very lovely and easy, like giving your child a kiss and feeling good or, you know, being kind to somebody on the street and feeling good. And it's not all difficult, but we've like, you know, we've, we've created, these are the mental patterns. So we can train our hearts and mind to experience more well-being. Number two, mindfulness has two wings and we need both to fly. One is awareness, which is what this show is all about. And the other is loving kindness. What do you think of that? Well, I actually do have some thoughts about that. Let's hear because, it. Because um, I wanted to talk on last week's podcast, and it was about how some some people put up the word honesty or truth as the end-all, be-all of everything. Mm-hmm. And I had an experience where I was in a meeting, I was in a men's group meeting, and one of the guys said what his truth was. Mm-hmm. And basically what it was is it was at the ex- it was tearing down certain other individuals in the group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second, just because that's your truth doesn't necessarily mean you decide to say that one thing. Right. I I don't let truth or honesty be my guide. I I allow kindness to be mm-hmm. my guide. And I've said so many times to myself and probably on this podcast is really all I want for my kids. If I could boil it down into a single word, is that they're kind. Yeah, They're kind to others. They're kind to themselves. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how quote unquote successful they are. If they're kind to their body and to their mind and to the people around them, they are a successful person. And it doesn't mean that their truth isn't their truth. It's that they're conscious of who they share their truth with, when they share their truth, and why. Because a lot of times sharing our truth is ego-driven. A lot of times when we share it is inappropriate. And a lot of times who we share it with, it's not the right people. And so it doesn't mean your truth isn't your truth. It means that you practice. It's not that you you do hold up honesty. You're one of the most honest people I know. But you're thoughtful about well, how you use it. You need to discriminate. What yeah. are you going to say? And you discriminate based upon whether or not this will help somebody or if it's going to hurt somebody. And a lot of times I go, well, that's the truth. That's just the way it is. And they just kind of, they have a disregard to how it affects everybody else. And they use that as their excuse. And it drives me nuts. Well, what's the thing I've been seeing for the last year that I'm always like, ugh. I don't know. When people say, just saying. Just saying. And I understand, and and I'm sure I've said it before too. It's and like I know, no offense. I know people. Yeah, it's like no offense, and I know people are writing it to be funny. And if you do, I'm not trying to be judgmental of you. It's just there's kind of a I'm just gonna put this out there and just saying, mm-hmm. like, and it may be harmful, and we just have to be thoughtful about that. Like, um, the one of the Dalai Lama quotes: um, "If you can help others." If you cannot do that, at least do no harm to them. So that's kind of one of my things in my head is always do no harm. I may not appreciate what's happening in front of me. I may not, I may decide to take myself out of a situation. I may decide a lot of things, but in that process, I do no harm. I don't hurt anybody in that process. Um, One of my buddies at the end of all of his emails, uh, because a lot of time when you think of like worldly global problems and it seems like how do you help some kid in Africa right I mean you could obviously do things like give money and things like that but like how do you do it and it's a quote from Mother Teresa so you're quoting the Dalai Lama and I'll quote Mother Teresa and it's something like if you want to change the world the best thing you can do is to go home and love your family of course start at home that ripple effect I mean if you do nothing else other than go home and love your family authentically you will be changing the world that's right 
That doesn't mean that you bury your head in the sand about all the other problems that are going on in this world, but the best way to affect it is to love yourself and to love the ones around you. Start here. Yeah. Start here. And when I'm saying here, I'm pointing down. Um, so number three, chasing after something pleasant is a kind of stress. Avoiding something unpleasant is a kind of stress. I love that. Well, I, okay. So help me with that. So, so, it, so, okay, go ahead. So chasing after something pleasant. I have a lot of people around me who they may not even be in the same line of work I am, but they have these goals and they're like, I have to get this or I have to get this title or I have to get this award. And they find that to be very pleasant, but in achieving it, the achievement piece of it is stressful mm -hmm. because what ends up happening is if the people around them happen to, and I'm saying this in quotes, get there first, then they feel competitive or annoyed at those people, or they feel like they're not enough. And if they're not getting there in a certain time frame, you know, they have this created thinking time frame. And if they don't get to a certain place by a certain time that they've somehow failed, it's stressful, even though they're going after something pleasant. Right. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I, I think the question is you have to, how do we differentiate between pleasant and unpleasant? Because sometimes they look the same. Well, avoiding something unpleasant as a kind of stress makes me think of how when we're having feelings in our body, like a uh, sadness or a grief or an anger, how we repress it and we don't look at it and pushing it down and not looking at it, trying to avoid something unpleasant becomes just as stressful in our body. Right. That we actually have to, the, the yin and yang of life, like we have to experience both things. And there are times we have to deal with unpleasant things so we can... But if you are, so the, the quote is, chasing after something pleasant is a kind of stress. Avoiding something unpleasant is a kind of stress. Are the stresses the same or is the, when you're chasing after something pleasant, is that a better stress to have? Well, it depends on why you're chasing after this this thing. Um, are you doing it out of an ego-based need that once you get this thing, you will then have a perfect future? Mm -hmm. Do you have this belief in your mind that once you move into this specific house, then you will be happy? Because that's not true. Right. I'm not saying you won't enjoy the house and you won't appreciate what you live in. It's that That's not going to fill the hole. Right. So we're kind of chasing after an illusion. And that illusion along the way it causes stress. And then sometimes when we reach what we think is that pleasant experience, we still are filled with discontent. Right. Um, so I think that it's all about why, Todd. Everything is intention. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going after goals. I love goals, but reaching the goal does not then make me better than I was five days ago. Right. You know, it's not like now I'm a good person. It's not the destination, sweetie. It's always the journey, right? What about uh, the fourth one here? So why would you want to learn to stay with... Oh, this is what we were just talking about. Why would you want to learn to stay with unpleasant sensations of emotions? You wouldn't. But when we resist or are fearful of unpleasantness, we get tired. It takes energy to resist what is there. Chronically pushing away your experience will lead to chronically feeling tired. Gotcha. So that's the avoiding something unpleasant as a kind of stress. Right. So, you know, I think that depends on like, you know, if I'm, because one example is you and I are doing a lot of different things with the conference and all that other right. stuff. We'll put the girls to bed and you and I will 
kind of keep working. Yeah. Not because <laughs> we have to. I really yeah. love creating because yeah. that's really all we're doing right. is creating. And and the reason that I go, oh yeah, is because I often struggle with that because you're. I'm just like you. I'm having a ball and I feel good finishing this part, and even when it's kind of logistically challenging or, um, you know, I'm learning something new on the computer. I still get a thrill about doing it. But then I really think that there's a time we should put everything away and not be on the computer at all. And you are a little bit better at that than I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I... But I can't do that now because I don't have a computer. I know. Poor poor Toddy. Uh, anything else on this one? Um, well, I think that that's when, when we talk about, you know, if you feel sad, feel your sadness. And a lot of people will say, I don't want to feel sadness. Why should I? Well... It, it, you can't avoid it. Yeah, you know, I, this is, uh, this is, it's just, it takes energy to pretend you're not sad. And if you're constantly pushing away the things you're naturally feeling in your body, you are going to be fatigued and tired. Mm-hmm. It's going to eat away at you. Well, and I've been quoting Jeff Foster a lot the last few months, but he says everything that happens to you, the metaphor he uses is the ocean and the waves and how we have to accept the waves that come in, both happy or good and, and unpleasant or yeah. sad. And the, what he says is, the wave has already shown up. The sadness is, let's say it's sadness. It's already there. It's already there. So for you to resist what has already shown up is just kind of a recipe for frustration. The thing you're most afraid of is already there. It's already happened. <laughs> so it's there right in front of you. You don't want to be sad, but you are. Right. So why not just have a good cry, release it, talk about it, be accepting of it, be conscious of Embrace it. Embrace it. And it'll go away. Surrender to it. It'll and, go away. And it, whatever word works for you. I love the word surrender or embrace. And, you know, that one clip we played is like, your sadness doesn't need to be healed. It needs to be held. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And just... these mental shifts, again, going back to the cognitive behavioral theory, um, changing the way you think about something changes everything about it. Well, and, you know, sometimes it takes the right... Um, language for you to grasp something. That's right. I've heard that lesson, the the waves and just embrace sadness so many times. But when it was said to me in such a way through this audiobook that I listened to, I got it. Todd, that is your remember we were talking about you haven't had quantum moments? Mm-hmm. That's a quantum moment. It has to be the right time. You have to be in the right state of mind. It has to be said in the right voice with the right words. And there's no it's different for everybody. Right. There's something that we may have talked about on this show a million times and the a million and one is one the word? A million and one time. Someone's like, now I get it because they're in a certain place. We said it a certain way. There was a certain tone. So it's okay. Like that's why I read books five times. That's why I watch movies 10 times because you get it at different levels. We watched Almost Famous, sweetie. We did. I love that movie. There's like a million good movies that you and I have never seen. And Friday night, we decided to watch a movie and we watched Almost Famous. And that was my number nine favorite movie. Do you remember when we did that? The top 10? Now, what I will say is I was a little more bothered this time because I realized that Penny Lane was 16 years old. Yeah. And I knew that the first time I got it, I understood it, but that's just not right because she and Russell had been together the summer before as well, which means she was 15 Sweetie, when was, she was with Russell. It was the 60s though. I know, but I, that's, no, it was the 70s, wasn't it? Whatever. Whatever. Um, what are, what was their, what was their band's name? Steel? No. What is this? It's Penny Lane. Oh, of course, duh. I thought you were going to play. What was the name of the band in the movie? I want to say Steel Dragon, but that's Rockstar. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Uh, they were. Yikes. Oh my God, what's wrong with us? Her brain doesn't work. Everybody anymore. right now is yelling at us with the name of their band. Still Wagon. Still Water. Still Water. Yes. Still Wagon. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh 
my god, my brain. It's a great. Is movie. it still water? Still water. Fever dog. Yeah, that was the song. That was their song. That was a big song for them. Yeah, Fever Dog. That Jason Lee. That took that. I love Jason Lee in that movie. He's my favorite. Is it I think. that hard just to make us look cool? <laughs> and then the bus is leaving. Yeah. He's like, "Don't mind me. I'm only the, I'm lead, only singer. the lead singer." Okay, last one. Well, last it, but not least. Last sweetie. one, number five. It's not what's happening in our lives. It's how we are relating to it. With training in noticing what's happening and connecting with the quality of tenderness, we can find a space of presence. Instead of tensing about what's around the corner in life, we can really just live our lives. And so think about how different your life would be if you were not tensing up all the time about what's coming up around the corner in every part of your life. Not because you're in denial that things could go wrong, but because you're you're trusting that whatever comes up, you can handle in the moment because you can. You may not love it, but you can handle it. And then you can let it go and move on and that everything you can deal with so you don't need to stress about it. Sweetie, my plan last Thursday was for me to have a computer that worked. No. And I then know. it didn't work. I so know. I actually, I think, handled it pretty well when it happened. But today it finally caught up to me. It did. And I will tell you that, as you know, because you live with me, I was in the middle of making a video yes. for my eight year old daughter, which I do for every birthday. And I was almost done and it's gone. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it back, even if I recover the hard drive. So I had a plan. I was going to work on that video. I was going to show it. Everybody was going to love it, and it did not happen. So, am I? So my plan. That's the thing. We all have plans. Every day, we every morning we wake up and we think everything is going to work the way we want it to. Rarely does it, but yet we get rattled when it doesn't. When you know it's not going to, or that the fact that it's not working out. What does that mean about you or life? Nothing. It just didn't work out the way you wanted just it to. Didn't work out. And how do we then make light, not light, make fun, but how do we get lighter yeah. about those turns? And and I was going to say, just to give you credit, you have handled this whole computer thing really well because when my computer doesn't work, I cry. Mm -hmm. That's my method of dealing with it. Yeah. But that's really my release yeah. is I'm pissed, I'm annoyed, and I feel out of control because I don't know... I don't understand technology the way a lot of people do. So my out-of-controlness causes me to cry. And then I feel better. Yeah. But my point is, is that you have been all weekend. You've been great. And so, but today, because it's Monday, you want to get your work done. Well, and I'm leaving tomorrow morning and I'll be gone and rah, 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 rah. And we don't have the jingle palette, so you can't play all of can't. our great sounds. Yeah, so now my, my, customer, my customers, our listeners are suffering through this podcast. Just greatly suffering. Because I don't have that Jeff Bridges quote where he goes, yeah, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> but we do have fever dogs, so that's all that matters. Um, so um, our second partner is Dr. John Kelly, from, and his website is chicagodentistonline.com. And you want to know something that Dr. Kelly, he's not your dad's dentist. I know sweetie. that. He's I the new that. and improved dentist. I know. Um, his practice... Uh, specializes in sleep breathing disorders and mm -hmm. how your mouth is affected with sleep breathing. So uh, he offers the most advanced therapy for sleep breathing disorders from sleep apnea to snoring to many other things. He's the goods. He is the goods. And his website is chicagodentistonline.com and his phone number is 773-631-6844. So give him a call. All right. Um, so housekeeping. Uh, I, I don't really have anything. The only thing that I wanted to say 
is that, um, like I said, uh, we could do a whole show on this and maybe we will, but I thought this was really great. Like I said, I was reading Elizabeth Gilbert's book, uh, Big Magic. I'm not done with it. But one of the chapters, what she says that's been so helpful to me, talk about language that changes the way you think. She talks about how fear is so boring Mm -hmm. because everybody has fear even she talks about even like little little like like teeny what does she what does she use something in a petri dish when a shadow starts to go over it it actually like moves and gets afraid like the very smallest version of life oh really gets afraid like some single soul organism Ex- or something yeah like exactly that. and you know for those of you who've read it you know what i'm talking about but the fact that that is the truth means that every single living organism has fear. So yeah, it's kind of boring. As, you're not as special as you think you are being you afraid. Aren't. So that just made me laugh because, you know, everything in us will say, stop, 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 or I can't do that, or oh my gosh, what, what if that happens? And you have that moment of, who cares? Well, and before that moment, your moment might be like, well, I'm the only one who has this fear. And we all have the it. The Petri dish things have them. Yeah, even those it. little single-celled organisms. And the other thing is I've had the experience uh, of as of late um, of going through uh, some homes, like nursing homes and that kind of thing, uh, assisted living homes, and you know, being with people who are older. And I think about myself when I'm older. That is one thing I do. It helps me in my day-to-day life. It helps me enjoy being 44, not because I'm going to be unhappy then, but so I appreciate where I am at every moment in my life even. And I just think about, gosh, when you're older, all you want to know is that these choices that you, you just want to have lived. Yeah. And so that in itself helps me get over my dumb fear. And, you know, watching Jimmy Carter last night on um, Oprah on Super Soul Sunday, one of the best interviews, honestly, I I love this man, Jimmy Carter. I just love him. Um, I got teary just watching him because he's such a good hearted man. And he just, his book is all about living a full life and you just go out there and you do it. Um, Not do things you don't want to do, but live your life. And that's my, that's it, Todd. That's your words of wisdom? I'm just, I'm dropping the microphone on that. Um, well, don't forget about our third partner before okay. you drop the microphone. Okay, so it is Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. Uh, don't forget they do tile and flooring, sweetie. It's one right. of their specialties and they can educate you in the different selections of tile, grout, things like that. Jeremy's your guy. He's a bald-headed beauty. He is. Um, so check them out. So um, words of wisdom? I already gave them. Uh, I dropped the microphone. I'm going to say keep trucking, and we'll catch you guys next week. And we'll have our sounds back. But the music is playing right now, correct? Even though we can't hear it. Because Todd's going to produce it in. So enjoy this music that we can't Ooh, hear. that's my favorite part Ooh, of that there's, song. That's good. That's the part where it goes ding, 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 ding. <laughs> See ya. Have a good week. Bye. That's our show, friends, and thanks for listening. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes, and while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. To reach us, you can send us a message at comments at zenparentingradio.com, or you you can record a voice message through our website. Go to Amazon or our website to find Kathy's first two books and her most recent award-winning book, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can also subscribe to her Practicing Realness blog for her most up-to-date writing. If you're interested in The Tribe, the men's group that I co-facilitate, go to thetribemensgroup.com. We are grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.